You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K24. I am Momuti alongside me as always the three-time NBA champion, Mr. BJ Armstrong. BJ, how's, how's your day going today, bro? Oh, man. Beautiful, Mo. How's your day going? Real name, no gimmicks. And uh, I'm excited to get to this next five, Mo. I mean, yes, sir. Yes, sir. If, if you guys missed yesterday's episode, go back and get them because as we look ahead to 2024, celebrating the new year, um, we got artificial intelligence to den- generate 10 predictions for 2024 in the NBA. And uh, we did five yesterday. And today we're going to dive into five more. Uh, this one is a real interesting one, BJ. Let's go straight in. A team that hasn't won a championship in over 50 years will claim the 2024 NBA Finals in a surprising underdog victory. So... If we Wasn't look at that, list, like the Denver Nuggets, that was the Denver Nuggets last yep, year, right? Yep. So they say another team's going to do it. So if we look at the list of teams who are in a 50 plus year drought, you've got the Kings, you've got the Hawks, you've got the Suns, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Hornets, the Timberwolves, the Magic, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans. No. Those are the teams. Of those right now, the Kings could be in the mix. Maybe not to win the whole thing, but compared to the rest of the list the kings the suns the clippers the knicks and then the timberwolves grizzlies and pelicans of those teams do you think any of those seven have the ability to win it i think the timberwolves for sure are a dark horse i think the clippers intrigue me but i'm not going to fall into their trap and i also think they lack the size on their roster to make a deep playoff run um, especially if they have to play the Nuggets, because as much as I love Zubac, um, Zubac and Tice, I just don't think can match up with Jokic for seven games. The Suns, their depth concerns me. The Kings, I, I just think that they're just missing a little bit from being a top-level contender. I think they could be very good. I just don't know if they're a championship team. Um, but which of those teams do you look at? The Grizzlies, that would be an insane run if they got to the finals and won it all. And the Pelicans, if they got healthy, but I have some serious question marks over the Pelicans, um, especially watching their late game against the Grizzlies. Did you see the one that went to overtime? That was a, yes. a horrific, horrific ending to that game because they had a huge lead, threw it away, and couldn't execute down the stretch. But do you see any of those surprise teams who have not won it in the last 50 years doing what the Denver Nuggets did last year and winning the NBA championship? Well, AI says this, and HI, high human intelligence says this. <laughs> no. Okay. You know, all the teams that you noted, I think some of those teams obviously have a chance for the playoffs, right? In particular, you you mentioned Sacramento. You mentioned the first place now, Minnesota Timberwolves. But when I look at the team that's got to advance and get, what, 16 wins now Mm -hmm. in the playoffs to be crowned champion, I don't see any of those teams right now that has, again, separated themselves and that has shown me that they, as of today, show me that that is the team to beat in their respective conferences. Now, you know, Mo, we, uh, the one thing I can't predict, you know, lineups, um, when I say lineups, matchups, injuries, sometime a player will get into a, a, a zone, you know, is Anthony yeah. Edwards, is Anthony Edwards capable? Yes, he's capable. However, you know, when I've watched them, you know, like I just watched them last night. 
against um, the Knicks or two nights against yeah, the Knicks. On Sunday, and I'm saying on Monday night. Yeah, you 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 know there, there are certain That's things the OG that effect. you. Yeah, you're, oh, by the way, YouTube.com slash Hoop Genius a breakdown of OG's debut with the Knicks. Go check that out. Sorry, yeah, I just had and, to do uh, Yeah, so when you start looking at things, and you're saying, okay, that was a winnable game for them. You know, there are certain games that you you say, okay, you 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 you. you you know, a championship team or championship caliber team will win those level of games. Yeah, you're going into Madison Square yeah. Garden. You're playing against a team who's just made a major trade, giving up a lot of their depth. You should be crushing the bench minutes considering they've given up their best bench player and you've got Nance Reed, who, in my opinion, is a contender for sixth man of the year. You've got an elite starting lineup. They're missing their starting center in Mitchell Robinson. You're not. Um, you've got Rudy Gobert, you've got Conant's Towns, you've got Anthony Edwards. So, yeah, I did watch that game also and think if they're serious about contending, that should have been a game they won. Yes and no. And the reason no is because when you're playing against a new team that made a big trade, that's an actual different team. There's no scouting report. Mm -hmm. OG is going to change the scouting report around. Mm -hmm. If you ever see players who are missing their one of their best players, you'll be like, oh, such and such is not playing tonight. They should lose the game. However, you don't know how to defend that team. And oh, you see that happen. Absolutely. But that's what I'm saying. A championship caliber team shouldn't be phased by a, a team playing slightly differently. Because the rotations were different, yeah, in terms of their bench lineups and all this kind of thing. But a lot, I've I seen a lot of turnovers. Wisdom, yeah, I've seen a lot of turnovers. Wisdom. That's not on any scouting report. Conventional wisdom would say that. However, I will say this. I'm looking at them through a championship caliber lens. And because I wanted, I'm looking at this team going, wow, they're the, they're the best team in the Western conference. They're the best team right now in the NBA, but they didn't play like they were the best team. No, the best team. It's some nights you play and the other team plays unbelievable. Hey, they deserve to win that game. The Knicks certainly didn't do anything outstanding that I saw that said they were that much better of a team especially with two new players put into their lineup. That's all I'm saying. From a, I'm looking at them from a championship caliber lens. It's really, it's going to probably take three or four, just like with John ja Morant. John ja Morant, the first three or four games, I think they weren't undefeated. Mm -hmm. Suddenly now the scouting report is kind of out and people are saying, okay, this is how you got to play against them. And now you can see now teams around the league have made an adjustment. Mm -hmm. The true test for the Knicks and the true test of this trade is going to be five to 10 games. I, neither one of these teams have 25 games now to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like I always say at the beginning of a season. So it's going to take four or five games to figure it out because now we have enough game film to look at these teams, to make adjustments from quarter to quarter, half to half, and in particular game to game. So right now, I'm going to really find out about the Knicks next week because then we'll know how they're going to play against those players. And we will be able to know what the other teams in this league said is their weakness. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting in watching the game was I can't recall this many teams playing zone against the Knicks. Mm. Okay. Den not Denver. Minnesota, Minnesota played zone against the Knicks. I was like, Oh, wow, that's interesting. Do they not think they can shoot now? You know, is is that the, the thought? Now, for the luckily for the Knicks, they made it. Uh, OG's they made a better three-point shooter than RJ, so it's, it's an interesting hypothesis. Uh, uh, again, again, 
It's all, it, those are just numbers. It's all about what does it look like in real time in the game playing so forth and so on. Okay. I didn't look at this, but I, you want you to look at it more as I'm saying. Jalen has another thing that I thought was interesting. Jalen Brunson's minutes since that trade to me has been like 40 minutes. I don't know what he finished with in last in the la in the last game. Maybe you can tell us. I'm just putting it up now. Uh, in the game against the Timberwolves, Jalen Brunson, he didn't have a, a particularly strong game. He played 41 minutes, only scored See, 16 points, one of nine okay. from three. And he played 40 minutes the night before in mm -hmm. Indiana. So I'm looking at this going, okay, is that sustainable? This is Coach Tom Thibodeau at his peak. We know he okay. loves playing his guys' I'm not big blaming, minutes. I'm not blaming anyone. But, but now you win those games. You win a game and this says nothing. When you start at playing 40 minutes a night on a guy during the regular season early in January, mm -hmm. at some point, that's going to affect everyone else. Okay? Now, I was looking at, I'm looking at this going, oh, wow. So now, when you have four games at a minimum per week, and you start adding all of that up, then suddenly, Mo, we have possibly a little dilemma here. Mm -hmm. So, yes, and, and just the last game. Just for reference, um, Jalen Brunson is currently second, and Julius Randle is currently third in total minutes played so far this season. Okay, the, the only okay. player with more minutes played is Kobe White. That, that's what I was looking at. Now, I, I get it. The Knicks won. They should have won that game. However, I'm a little concerned about the dynamic of this team from a minutes perspective as I watch that game, because you got to play a regular season brand of basketball and 40 minutes a night, Mo, That's requires you to be a special level athlete to do that. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. And the Knicks play hard. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm going to watch. That was the first game. Good for the Knicks. Excellent. I think Toronto won yesterday as well. Yep. Yep. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch and see. I think both of those teams got good players. You know, we keep giving numbers. However, number one and number two option is Brunson and Randall. That mm -hmm. is not going to change. I don't care who comes over there. So, but what I do know is that this kid, R.J. Barrett, was averaging about 18 points a game. Somewhere around there. And you know what? I can respect that. And OG was averaging, I don't know, somewhere around there too, 16 to 18 a game. So I think that's what probably got the trade done. They both felt that those players would complement in, in, in a different way to, you know, to, to their respective teams. You know, that, yeah, that I, seemed I mean, to me. OG's averaging 15, Quickly's averaging 15, not just – doesn't account for RJ's 18 that the Knicks are going to have to find from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what I'm saying. So, so, so and Emmanuel and OG can cancel each other out, but I don't think Preston Stewart and Malachi Finn, with all due respect, and, and this is are giving you saying. 18 a night. So I think, and, and, still, I think there's still more moves to be made from New York, though. Uh, do I, whatever I, you got to do. I think however, they have to make a move for a bench yeah, score. Do whatever but, you got to do. I just, uh, uh, when you start trading players, 15, 16, 18 a night. My biggest question is, how are you going to replace that? 
Everyone talks about trading. Everyone talks about those are two really, really good players. And, and to me, which no one has said yet, quickly, Emmanuel quickly is a starter. He's a starter. I think he started in the last game for the for he the Raptors. For the Raptors. Yep. That to me, you gave away yeah. two starters. Two starters. Did you see the report that they actually discussed trading quickly for Marcus Smart over the summer um, after the Knicks realized that they wouldn't be able to pay him his contract extension? Hey, there's always... Well, if you're not discussing improving your roster, you're not doing your job. I just would have That's loved, not news. I, I would love Emmanuel quickly on the bench for the Celtics, but I digress. I digress. Uh, should we get back to this list? Yes. Um, number six on the list, a top five player in the league will be traded in a shocking move that upends the NBA's power balance. Now, we okay, can debate who's what? top five. five yes, yes. I'll yes. say this. I'll say this. If the Sixers have another season where they can't get out the second round, Joel Embiid is what? Is he, what, 30 years old now? Well, do, yeah, okay, do I'm you listening. see wanting him to stay in Philadelphia? For the rest of his career, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Get him over the hump. I'm going to say this to every whatever. I'm going to play the game with AI, but this is really HI. I'm going to play the game. You know, this top five, whatever. I don't know what constitutes a top five player. Okay, but what I do know is your impact of winning. Joel MB is has impact on winning. Okay, he's an impactful player. Yeah. Okay. And this is what I'm going to say to all those players. You know, this 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 idea that has really run rampant in the NBA is, well, if it doesn't work here, I'll just move on to another to another place. And you know, you, you know what's the one thing that is probably should be said someplace is I don't think those I don't think that way of thinking works. Like who's it who's it worked for? LeBron. Okay. Kevin Durant. Okay. <laughs> okay. Those players left in free agency. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> free agency is different than trading. Like, I'm going to demand a trade. I haven't seen that work yet. I'm going to force my way out. Mo, free agency is there for a reason. It gives you the right to move on to another situation economically you understand what it is to build another team so yes if that would, is your you, if that's your choice that's your choice well now, that to me i understand well i, I do want to say did kareem force his trade to the lakers and and did kareem it took years to rebuild correct yes um yes Kawhi leonard forced the trade away from the spurs and won a championship the next season Okay. That, Anthony Davis forced his trade to the Lakers and won a Mickey Mouse championship. Okay. When I, I'll say it again. When have those players achieved the level of success to the team that they left? With the exception, well, KD, KD left in free agency. So yeah. Kawhi Leonard, what he achieved in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. Individually, with the exception of the, the championship there in L.A., I would argue that AD was probably numbers wise and what he was able to achieve individually 
is probably more significant what he did in uh, when he's done in L.A. thus far. Maybe, maybe over time, maybe he does. However, mm-hmm. Dwight Howard and James Harden and all of these players, Kyrie Irving, did they achieve that level? The, to me, no. the answer is no. So why is that? Because it's impossible. It's almost impossible to build around a player of that significance. Uh, Common Anthony with the Knicks. That didn't work out well. Who's this? Common Anthony. Oh, Carmelo. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Carm- it's almost, you, you can't do it. So, again, I get it. It's fun to t- say da-da-da. When you start forcing your way out via trade, how are you going to build around these players? How? Like, mm-hmm. like how? I mean, if listen, you got to get a player the way, anywhere you can get them. I get it. However, how is it possible to build around those guys? Yeah. Because in order to get one, you got to give something back. And and when you start getting things back in a via a trade, that's what made the Kevin Durant situation to me so fascinating. That's what made the LeBron James when he left. They put together financially a way to make this work under a circle, a, 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 a special certain, a certain circumstance that worked for that particular moment in time. Like the Kevin Durant situation, if you revisit the situation, it was just a moment in time where it worked. Won't work every year, but it worked for that moment in that particular time. Just like what happened with, you mentioned LeBron. It worked for that moment in that particular that set of circumstances. Mm. Yeah. No, I hear what okay. you're saying. It is, yeah, it is so, tough to then build because you've had to deplete your debt in order to acquire the star. And now you can't get that same debt because they've eaten your salary. It's, I get it. Unless there's a giant jump in the salary cap or something like that. Or you draft a rookie scale contract, which is playing way above the level that a normal rookie would. Then, yeah, I, I yes. hear what you're saying. Now, yes, that's all I want to say about it because I'm not opposed to trading for players. It's just that you have to realize the difficulty of putting together a team once you acquire that star player or top five player. It's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the next one on here is one that I think you will like if this was to happen, although it's kind of general. It says, Offensive play will take a backseat as a new era of defensive dominance begins, changing the typical high-scoring NBA games dramatically. Now, I don't see a way in which this happens, but I would love it. That's just me. But um, I guess in a way, we're now seeing like the Knicks move for OG. He's a more defensively focused player than quickly and RJ Barrett were. So I guess that could allude to it. Um, or how impressed people are now with Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama and what they can do on defense, as well as talking about the offensive part of that game. But I don't see that high-scoring trend of NBA regular season games changing anytime soon. Do you? Well, you know, it's been a long time. I'm trying to think of the, the last player, as you were saying that, that I felt was a really defensive juggernaut. 
you know, I, 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 I saw Dennis Rodman, for instance, you know, I played with Pippen and Jordan, um, played against David Robinson. I saw Hakeem Olajuwon, um, Ben, ben Wallace. Wallace. Okay. <laughs> you saw Gary Payton. Ron, Ron Artest, Gary Payton. Marcus Smart. Okay. These players. You know, I, I, I'm not sure what would constitute that in today's game. And the one that stands out to me right now is, is Giannis. Because if you're going to play and really impact the game, you got to be some type of, some level of a shot blocker or rim protector. That's the one area where you, I, you can impact the game and change the dynamics of how a team plays on the offensive end. It's very difficult. Mark Smart is a phenomenal defensive player. However, the way the game is, you know, especially you can't impede the progress. Okay. You, you, it, you can beat Giannis in the basket and he can still, he has a chance to recover. You beat Marcus on a, on a drive, then there's nothing really he can't do. He needs another player to, to help out, which, you know, you had the time Lord and all those guys. So I would still contend that Giannis is probably, if I were trying to get a defensive team together, he would probably be the one guy I would try to build around I think, a level, a player like there. I think it's Mobley early, but, but Wembley, Wemby 100% is there for me. Because exactly Wimbin what you said Yama, about Giannis. Yeah, 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 yes, Jan, Chet uh, Wimbin well. Yama, Chet has it. Evan Mobley has it. That's why I love those. I, I look for that. I say, okay, mm -hmm. what gives me what Jane I call... Durham. Um. Yeah. Well, Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran has the potential. He hasn't shown it yet. He has the potential. But those other guys, they've kind of shown you that you know Chet Holmgren. You know he's had a five or more blocks in a game. Wimbenyama five or more blocks. Mobley, certainly Giannis. You know I think of that play he made. Just the one play that he made in the NBA Finals mm -hmm. that one year. I mean that was just an incredible recovery. So I I I, I see today's game through the lens of saying, okay, if you're going to be a good defensive team, you got to have some level of shot blocking. Some just level of rim protection. Because the way that these guys shoot, you have to you have to have enough players who can run people off the three-point line and get them into, get them playing, you know, below the, you got to get them playing in the mid-range. Okay, because the mid-range is the only place that's open on the floor right now. No mm -hmm. one defends the mid-range. And if you have rim protection, now suddenly you can defend the mid-range because you're not worried about that player just going and waltzing in and getting an uncontested layup. So I think with the shot blocker or rim protector, a la Rudy Gobert, for instance, it allows you to defend the only area that's out on the floor if, you're, if your players are committed to defending the three-point line. That's how I see the rules are. Mm -hmm. No, those it's rules to the game. Now, at some point, I would love to see the defense allowed a little bit more physicality to bring to the game, but that's a that's a that's a commitment from the from the committee, the NBA committee, the mm -hmm. the, the league committee to allow the defense to be just as aggressive as the offensive players because the offensive players now in my opinion they're more aggressive than the defensive players they're initiating all the contact yep, yep. defending players and stand still still get called for fouls it's ridiculous yes yeah so i think now the rules committee is the only group that could actually impact the game on the defensive end 
And I, you heard Steve Kerr talk about it the other day. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, you gotta. I mean, I'm not saying you agree with it, but everyone who knows and plays the game and watches this game knows that the offensive players now are more aggressive than the defensive players, which is a turn of events um, than it was just say 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see if, if these trends continue. Uh, the next prediction it has is an international player revolution. An international player will revolutionize the game with a unique style leading to a shift in how basketball is played in the NBA. I feel like they're just talking about Wembenyama here. Um, and I think we've discussed that a whole bunch of times. Well, I want to, I want I want to stop there for a little bit. Go ahead. You know, this whole idea that it's an international game for foreign players versus the domestic players, Mo, it's a global game. That was the whole idea. Yes. Okay. The whole idea was to have a global game. Now that we have a global game, now we want to say the international player and pit it against the domestic player. It's the NBA. Everyone makes a run. The domestic player had a 70-year run. Yes, yes. It's the NBA in America. Of course they did. Yeah, of course they did. Okay, (laughs) so that's why it's artificial. You're just now it's just being a master of of the obvious. Okay, okay, but how about this? In terms of, and obviously I'm not in America, so I can't speak to this as well as perhaps you can. But when you look at the bigs, in particular the the fives, right, the Jokic's of the world and the Wemby's of the world, whatever. However, you want to class them as seven footers and above. When you look at them and compare them to the the US fives, the big men, they do have a different set of skills compared to the traditional big man that comes out of the States. Even if right now you look at who's who's the best centers coming out of the States, they don't grow up developing their games in the same way that a player coming out of Europe perhaps would. Is that the shift that we could start to see? The shift that we saw take place, well, in the NBA was we took a we took a shift and said we made we put the three point line in the game. That's the shift. Yes. That that's the shift. The shift was we're going to implement the three point shot. But even that's then it. the even then the the fives in in America we, even, we didn't five okay. There there's always been big, tall players who could play like that, right? We saw Sabonis. He's we saw American. Sabonis. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we saw Sabonis in the, in the, in the 70s, in the 80s. Yes. We saw th- – that was nothing new. The game was different. Why? Because we, we didn't play the game from the three-point line. We played the game from the inside out. The NBA game was always a game that was played from the post out to the three-point line. Yes. There's been a shift that happened over the last 15 years with the Warriors that played now from the outside in. Because most bigs, most bigs in Europe weren't playing just purely from the post because of the way the, the, the game was played. And if you remember the triangle or the, the lane was different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So they had to play farther away from the basket. So they were playing more perimeter offense than we were. Right? It was a FIBA game, and then there was an NBA game. And then when those players came over here, they needed time to adjust 
But we always knew that the bigs from over there could be stretched. We knew Dirk Nowitzki and those guys could pick and pop. Our yeah. guys didn't pick and pop. We picked and rolled. Yeah, but now the NBA game is played from the perimeter. Do perimeter. you think now, that young big men now in the States are being taught or going to be taught? Like Chet Holmgren would be the first example. I think the five And there's going to be more of that. I think the five position has been the last position to adapt to this new way of playing. I've, I've said this like... Um, you said it yesterday five, and, and yes, last yes. week and the week before. The five position has been the final position to adapt to the new NBA. Because we didn't know what to do with the fives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one was developing five men in the NBA. That's just a fact. They can now Jokic and these guys adapted. They adapted quicker. When you watch Wimbenyama to this day, right now, when you watch Chet, you don't know which position they're playing. No, you. I don't know what when all of them. <laughs> I don't know what Chet's going to settle in. Is he? Is he? Is he a three? He shoots threes like a three. Is he a four? Looks maybe. Is he a five? Well, I don't. I don't think he's big enough to play the five as far as girth. Wimbenyama. I don't know what he's going to settle in. He's going to have to figure out at some point what position he's going to actually settle into. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what we do know is that we have this term here now. He is a positionless player, right? Isn't that isn't that the new, you know, yep. it's a positionless league. Okay. Yep. So now Anthony Davis is not a five. But he's playing a five. He plays it every night. So I, I think those players now at seven, those seven footers now are just figuring out how to play. I think the coaches now are figuring out how to utilize these players. Jokic, to me, is the first player that you got to say you can't play small ball against. You cannot play small ball versus that man. Mm-hmm. I don't care how you might want to play. You can't play small ball versus him. Because of his size and the way that he and plays, he plays at his own pace as well. So, so I think now this game, when I say this game, now it's truly, it's a it's a global game now. I think the players who came from abroad, I think they've transitioned much faster to the game, the way the game is played, referee the rules, than the players who were here domestically. Because we totally, we totally neglected the traditional five man in this league. There's nothing about traditional fives, the way they played back then, the way they played back then to where they play now. Okay. If Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was playing right now, he would, he would probably be a different player. If Shaq was playing right now, he would be a different player than the one that we saw. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if the players today that were playing. If Chet Holmgren was playing in that era, <laughs> let me tell you something. That would be a different player. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yep. So I don't, you can't tell me, you know, we can look at the game, but if Wimbenyama had to play against Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, Shaq, and all those guys, let me tell you something. I don't think he's just running around doing what he's doing right now. 
However, if you reversed it, it would be a different game the way those guys would have to play in today's game. Yeah, we're never going to know. We're never going to know. So the rules will always dictate the players. And as I like to say, as we all like to say, players will adjust. Mm -hmm. So the rules committee, they took away the, the way that we used to utilize bigs. Coaches didn't know what to do for some time. But Jokic and Embiid and those guys now are showing us what's possible. You see Chet Holmgren and you see him Victor Wimbayama, and now it's a new game. And now, thank goodness for Biggs, they're back in the game. I mean, hey. which is great. Yes. Well, the final one we have here on the list is that the introduction of advanced technology and refereeing will lead to major controversies and debates around the nature of the game. I think we already see that. I mean, you saw the ending of the Timberwolves-Lakers game, right? And then LeBron... Uh, after the game uploaded a picture on his Instagram where his foot looked like it was behind the line, but it got called as a two-pointer. Um, I think we already see that controversy over... Well, what is the, the big deal replays. about... What is the big deal so, about... So here's my thing, because I wanted to yes. talk about this. No, no, because I wanted to talk about this. Everyone, for about 24 hours after that game, you you, you saw the ending of that game, right? The Timberwolves and okay. Lakers, right? Okay, yeah. LeBron takes a, a three or a two. His foot was like on the line. Now, depending on when you pause the replay and which angle you look at, it could be a two, it could be a three. So the referees have ruled it a two because they've seen an angle where his foot's on the line. That wasn't the final possession of the game. The Lakers actually had the chance to win it. They inbounded the ball and got it to LeBron with a chance to tie the game or win the game, and he couldn't get a shot up. So, like, I get it. One play, okay, cool, cool. That wasn't the deciding play of the game, though. And that's just what I've got to say about that or the complaining on the social media. I, I don't understand what's wrong with making a mistake. Like it's, it's like no one wants any responsibility. Like the players make mistakes. Coaches make mistakes. Everybody makes a mistake. Okay. The referee, he made a mistake. I don't think it was a mistake though. Cause there's an angle where his foot is touching the line. Well, if that's <laughs> what it is, then that's what it is. That's what, I'm just... what I'm saying is like, okay, well, why did he post that on his whatever account, whatever, you know whatever why. it is. I know. So yeah. like, but that's my thing is though, like, why are you choking the whole game up to one possession when that wasn't the ending possession of the game? You didn't win or well, lose that yeah. game based on that one shot and that one point. You still had a chance to win it and you didn't. So pack your bag and go to the next game. Yeah, that's that, my that's thing. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed in the, in the questions. I, I, so I, was I. I. Yeah, I expected like, better, but I don't want to be too critical in case they're listening and then they've got a vengeance. Well, they are, they, yeah, they are, they, they are listening. However, however, if they are listening, what are they listening to? Where are they learning from? I don't know. I think well, everything. I, okay, and well, I so, do so someone explain. This I do to me. know. I do know where they're Go learning on. from. They're learning from <laughs> humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so someone explained this to me the other day. They said that all these AI things basically do. Is like when you want to find something out, you Google it, right? The what the AI is doing is the same thing, except they're Googling, it's like a million people Googling things at the same time and reading all the results. So it's like a super enhanced Google search, and then it's it reads it and condenses everything into a list. That's that's what it's doing. You know what artificial intelligence it feels like to me? It feels like uh like a um Like a teenager. That's what it feels like to me. What do you mean? 
What does like that mean? It's just like a, it's like a teenager who does research and then it regurgitates what it's heard from like some adult conversation. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it understands what it's saying. It's just no. regurgitating what it's heard and then it condenses it and to make it yeah. sound like. Well, yeah, I was in the room and this is what it's like Cliff Notes. Yeah, this is what the book was about. But you're not really telling me you understand the book. You're just telling me the clutter points of what yeah, it says. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's what AI feels like to me. I think it's I think it's terrific. However, like what do you understand about it? Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you this though, is what's better than AI is the members of the Hoop Genius Discord community. So I want you guys in the Discord to send me your predictions for 2024 in the NBA and BJ and I will react to them on Friday's episode. How about that? Yeah. We'll yeah, see yeah. How about you guys can beat the machines. Well, well here, here's the thing, you know, Mo, the, 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 the one thing, the, the, the machine is going to tell you and look for the trend, mm-hmm. but HI, <laughs> I can freestyle. See <laughs> Mo, see Mo, see Mo. <laughs> Mo, I can I can go off I can go off course at any moment. I can freestyle. You you see, Mo, that that's the difference. So, what is it that we understand about this game? And that's to me what makes our listeners the best is because we don't know where this is going to go, Mo. We don't know what it's going to say. We don't know what it's going to do. And that's the human dynamic mode of this show. So yeah, artificial intelligence, that sounds cool. <laughs> Might be the latest trend, <laughs> but Mo, I'm never worried about anything that's artificial. Speaking of, uh, I just asked artificial intelligence to write a freestyle rap about NBA player BJ Armstrong. Would you like to hear what it said? Yeah, well, well, absolutely. Because Why this not? is terrible. I'm just reading it now and it's very bad. Do you want to know what it says? I like it has ad libs. It says, yo, check it. Listen to the tale of BJ Armstrong, never frail. In the league where the giants dwell, he played the game oh so well. This reads like a poem. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it reads like a poem, right? It's just got a rhyming dictionary and made it itself. It says three rings on his fingers shining bright. With the bulls, he was a flight. In the nineties, the game was tight. Time out. Time <laughs> this out, time is rubbish. Out, time out. This time, is time rubbish. Out, time, yeah, time out. Time yeah. Out. See, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So this, Mo, it's like a children's it, poet. It, it's it, it, it again. It reminds me of a teenager who really doesn't understand, mm. and it just kind of regurgitates. Mm. And then all of a sudden, now we act like, nah, Mo, Mo. Mo, I've been in this game for years, Mo. This made me an animal. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot where I was at. Right, we ain't going on that. We're going to have to wrap this one up. We're going to have to wrap this one up. Yeah, right let's here. wrap it up. Yeah, All right. Well, anyway, BJ, appreciate it as always. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Appreciate you guys listening. Check out the YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts from. And make sure you subscribe to the show. And most importantly, get buckets.